Welcome to the Space Between Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Joy Natolo, and our wonderful, uh, beautiful brother here, our guest, Vincent Berry II. Um, first and foremost, guys, uh, welcome, you know, Thank to, you, uh, to the beautiful podcast we've developed and set up here. Um, first of all, I want us to establish how we all connected, because Vincent, I know you through a friend of mine from middle school right. named Terrence, right. and you went to Morehouse College. I did. And that's how we met. He's a he's a Q. Yes, you're a Q. Yes. Um, can you can you just give us a for the audience? Because some people, you know, HBCU world, they might not know right. what is Omega Phi Psi or Sci-Fi, excuse me, and what 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 are the Q? What they represent? Uh, so ultimately, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated is a fraternity started uh, in 1911 in, at Howard University, um, and uh, at Morehouse, uh, 1921. And so what you have is a uh, organization of about 100 years where brothers of like minds and like attainment uh, seeking high aspirations have found each other on a particular campus and then build relationships and teach each other how to move through the world and opening doors for each other, allowing people to have places when you go to cities and you're not really comfortable. You got a brother there already that can help show you what that city looks mm -hmm. like. And so it turns into an opportunity for you to just build a network with men have done some dope stuff who walk the walks and the things that you're doing right now they've been at this campus they went to this city they've been to china before you go into china like mm -hmm. all the things you're trying to do somebody in the world has done it already mm. and so what these fraternities is give give us this opportunity to build, build with brothers you know who did that and you know if i'm from detroit bro and realistically i didn't have um the connection to older brothers mm -hmm. who were on the same thing that I was on. So mm -hmm. imagine having this school like a Morehouse College that's aggregating these brothers from these urban centers all over the world and we're all in one space. Most of those brothers are valedictorians at their schools mm -hmm. or top, you know, uh, uh, whatever department or whatever they're looking for. These are like some of the smartest kids at these schools and they're all coming to Morehouse and then we find each other around this particular organization which is founded on four principles that, you know, just when I dove into the principles, it just made sense to me, you know, um, if you think about something that you want to teach a young man in 19, you know, 11, as you're coming out of slavery, as black colleges are starting to be founded mm -hmm. and they're establishing these organizations to create a certain thing they want to share with the next young man that's coming in. And, you know, number one, you are man. Right. So our principles are manhood, scholarship, perseverance and uplift. But number one is man. Right. Because these are people who at one time thought they were slaves. So. When I saw that, I'm like, man, they were already tapped in to the kind of conversations you ought to have with a brother in 1911, mm -hmm. right? And unfortunately, we sti still need to have these same conversations mm -hmm. in 2019. <laughs> right. Very true. But Very true. you are a man, right? Number one. And number two, you need to know something, right? So scholarship is most important, not studentship, right? Not just going to school, but being a scholar. Learn. And that's, that's a completely different word, a, a com completely different connotation. Um, energy around that word scholarship, right? But from after you're a man and you learn something, now you got to go through something because it's not going to be easy because you weren't always considered a man, right? So there's some things you're going to have to persevere through. And at the end of it all, when you finally make it, bro, your job is to lift somebody else up mm. and bring somebody with you, you know? And any organization built on those kind of principles, bro, I'm riding with them, you know? So when I did my research, I'm like, you know, in addition to the fun and in addition yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. the parties and all yeah, the stuff yeah. that people think they know about yeah, yeah. what it means to be Omega, 
for me, I saw a lot of brothers who was doing some crazy stuff. They had the highest GPA at Morehouse yeah. for so many years, bro. I mean, 15 of the buildings on the campus are named after members of my organization yeah. that went to Morehouse. From a lot of them, you know, founded by Benjamin Elijah Mays, which was uh, at Morehouse. Uh, our chapter was founded by Benjamin Elijah Mays, and this person shaped the mind and the psychology of Martin Luther King. This sure. was the president of the college when Martin Luther King went to his school. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? This is the man who told him, you're not a biology major. You are a preacher. You know what I'm saying? This is the founder of my organization and my school. So that kind of legacy exists there. And, you know, it's cool, man. You know, I, whenever I think I'm doing something cool, I think about my frat brothers like Christopher Hollins, who, you know, went to Harvard and Yale for, you know, postgraduate degrees after Morehouse. You know, like these brothers doing some crazy stuff. Oh, no. I I, I, went, I went to an HBCU. I bring that up because I think it's important for us to offer a little bit of in, insight into what the HBCU experience is because um, these schools are historical for a reason. Yeah, man. There's a lot of history and legacy behind um, a lot of us that are sitting here right now. Um, so I, I, I like to just show that. And Terrence was even crazier, the person that connected us. This is one of my best friends in the world. You know, so even within my organization, our idea and our motto is that friendship is essential to the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so true, right? So there are so many points of why I would want to be a part of this group of brothers based on the things that they believe. And friendship is essential to the soul. So yes. for me, you know, when I met Terrence, you know, I was, um, you know, you, you know, it taught me how to build friendships. It taught me how to, how to pursue a certain friendship, right? And when I met Terrence, you know, the first thing we talk about is the conversation of, uh, he gave me a book to read. Because uh, he was a member of the organization before I was. And, you know, you got to build with somebody when you want to try to learn if who they are. So I went by his house and we're kicking it in. He gave me this book and it said the, the, the name of the book is The First Billion is the Hardest. That's the first book he ever gave me. You know what I'm saying? And this is already what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. But to find somebody else from our community that's not just thinking about getting a good job after leaving more, leaving more house or not thinking about making the first million after yeah. more house or 10 million, bro, or even a hundred million. This is a kid, another young man that I met who talking about the first billion is the hardest. You know, I'm like, bro, you're my brother forever. Don't even care. <laughs> We're on the same lip. And this has been my, one of my best friends since that moment. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Terrence and, 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 J- and JC have been knowing each other for 18 years, 18 years, bro. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a long and This road. is my brother, you know, so that made immediately made him my brother, you know, cause I'm like, man, it was easy. It was like, all right, that's you dope. know him, y'all cool. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> very, very simple. That's why when I saw him and there was that connection, it, you know, that's the world crazy. just got so much smaller very quickly. Yeah, it does. Now yeah. tell me, how did you and Joey connect? What brought you to Joey? Um, um, a young lady named Anna, Anna Bliss. Anna Bliss, yeah. Um, awesome young lady. I have a friend named John Michelle, um, and his lady and Anna are really, really good friends. And one day I was at her house in Encino, and Anna was there, and we just had this really great conversation. And she was just like, you know, and she's very spiritual and connected, you know, so she was like, yo, I got a friend. You need to meet him. <laughs> You know, she didn't know who I was, really. Yeah. And I guess she knows Joey, right? So, you know, Joey is a very spiritual brother as well. Um, and a beautiful story, very similar stories, very similar energies and spirits. So I understood him immediately when I met him. But before, you know, uh, before I met him, you know, she knows him. So she's hearing all of the, the encounters that he's having, the things that he's seeing and foreseeing, right? And, 
and he saw Beyonce singing at this particular conference in, in, in Egypt. Um, and this is just a vision that he had, right? And so when I'm talking to Anna, she's meeting me for the first time, and um, they're introducing me to her, and they're telling them, like, yeah, this is Beyonce's producer. And I guess that might have, like, just sparked her mind to think about Joey. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, you need to meet Joey. Yeah, she called me right up. She's like this. Because I was saying, <clears throat> I have this picture in my head. I keep seeing it of Beyonce. And I, I think her music, she's very talented. I just, not, I just don't listen to her music. I, I will. But right. but at any rate, I, it's in my head. And I'm, I, I see it. And I'm telling people for like a year. I yeah. see her dancing. I have, I, I'm part of this some type of festival. It sounds way out. It sounds pretty way out and crazy. So I was sitting there one day, and I got called, and it was Anna Bliss, and she's like, I got to talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, what's up? She's like, she got here. You got to talk to him right now. I'm like, what, who is it? That's so awesome. It's Beyonce's producer. And I start, I'm like, get out of here. Like, come on. She, she, so, she, awesome. so she starts breaking it down. Is from the limited amount she knew, mm -hmm. she was able to put Beyonce together, Vincent Barry, and, and a crazy vision I had. And next thing you know, me and Vincent were no, at. So we're at, at Noble. Yeah. Malibu and and when he walked when I came in they were sitting down and we started talking and um, you know for me everything that I have everything that I've built is off of my relationships and you know um, I believe the world is is forever balanced and it's yin and yang right that energy for me that is the spirit in the physical world right and most people are connected and driven by what's physical and mm -hmm. what they see what they feel, everything that mm -hmm. has to do with this experience. For me, I'm learning more and more to separate from this physical presence and physical experience and to experience what people have called spirit or vibration or energy. But these are all synonymous words, yeah. right? right. For the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've built my life off of, off of the spirit. So I'm not looking at whether it's another black man or another white man anymore. Really, I'm looking at, and I, although I do care if it's another black man, mm -hmm. but particularly when I'm dealing with, with, with white men, I'm looking for spirit, you know, and he had the spirit, bro. You know? He has the spirit. No, sure. bro, I'm looking at him, I'm like, bro, he, he lit. <laughs> no, I was, I, lit. No, uh, never sure. met him before, Christmas but trip. I'm staring at, I'm pinned no, on his yeah, eyes no. and I can't take him off. And yeah. I'm like, I feel really weird. Like oh, I've yeah. met you before. Like, no, you're my brother. I, I felt yeah. the energy. He was like, bro, in another life, it was like we were back to back in a war. I'm like, and the cra was craziest. I felt that kind of closeness. Like, huh. I felt that. I'm like, bro, I do feel like I know you. It was funny too. You know for the saying? next two to three days, we, we I didn't plan it. We yeah. bumped into each other everywhere. Exactly. We, we kept Exactly. That, that was actually crazy too. We started bumping into each other a few places. And I started realizing, you know, for me, I, 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 you know, it's funny how the most high works in my life because in my mind, you know, I've created this thing that I use to protect me from new relationships. And because everybody isn't a good bridge to build. Some people come in your world, bro. And it's almost like if you look at the, the chemical table and the, the table of the periodic table yeah. and all these different chemicals are on there and some are, they some work extremely well together, like yeah. hydrogen and oxygen, right? Like right. That, that creates something that's necessary for the world to even exist. But then there's other chemicals that come together, bro, and they're radioactive. They come together, man, it's some, I mean, something's about to be messed up today. So t in order to protect myself, I've created these, I need to see three times, Rue. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of fake, you know? It's, I mean, it's, it's my fake. But I feel because it. I know the universe. I know, yeah. how, I know how the fathers created this matrix that we're yeah. in. You know what I'm saying? So realistically, I know if I turn my back on this particular individual on day one, 
he's going to circle him around again like meatball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sent them to you, bro. You know what I'm saying? And then you do it again, he's going to send him again. Boom. He's like, God. After that third time. And I'm relentless. Yeah, no. Oh, trust so, me. We... <laughs> so, my, you know, my brother was just like, I think he knew immediately and yeah. he's very prophetic, you know, yeah. and, and that word is synonymous, synonymous with so many words, yeah. right? You know, but he feels and he's in, intuitive is a, a new word, a word that I like to use as well. Mm. Like you have that naturally, bro. You see what's coming, right? Um, in Hebrew, they call it Navi or Nabi, those seers of the future. And he's one of those people. So, you know, when you meet people like that, it's important just to listen, you know, when they start calling things that were mm. not and they become, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, 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 you know, it's a gift that was given for a time that we're living in right now where people are missing voices oh. and needing voices. <laughs> and right? I mean, I mean, let's, and, and then let's clarify it. All. Let's, hit, like, right yeah, man. let's clarify it. All. I mean, let's yeah, face it yeah, yesterday, yeah, yeah. two days ago, interviewing Ricky Williams. Right. Once again, was like a reminder of exactly what you're saying. Yeah, man. See the few, he yeah. sees it. Yeah. Not being calls it out. Like, boom, oh. you know what? You're going to be interviewing Ricky Williams in eight months. Cool. You're like, nah, I'm that's not how I met Jossie. Come and on, that's, that's, that's just how it happened. See her, bro. See her, see her. <laughs> and the thing is that we're, we're, we're taught to not trust those that can see far ahead. Well, we're like, oh, no, don't trust him. Don't trust him. <laughs> and it scares like, people. Yeah, it's yeah, my, because my family, the kids, you know, when it happened, it didn't, it wasn't like I just started happening. But when it started happening, you started to see those visions. It's not, you're not really sure what it is. But then you have to start letting them go and believe in yourself that you know they're going to happen because mm -hmm. you have to let them go because they're not real until you say it. Woo! Right, yeah, that's, that's contract. That, it, it, woo! Yeah. <laughs> I hope y'all got that contract. <laughs> contract. No, no. Listen, listen. listen think, about, think about the idea of what we're talking about. We're talking about a universe created by a conscious mind, mm -hmm. and what takes a thought and brings it into reality is the act of creating it with your words and intention. It's an intention, yeah. Right. When power of prayer. It, power of prayer. It's coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. So for me, what we're talking about is represented by um, an ancient collection of books called the Tanakh to mm -hmm. the Hebrew people. And this is what the, the New Age believers understand to be the Old Testament. The difference is there are several books in the Tanakh that are not in the New Testament or not in the Holy Bible that we have in modern day. Yeah. And for me, I wanted to get what the ancients were reading. I wanted to find out what they were into. And so you find books like the Book of Maccabees and Enoch and Jubilees and Judith and Jasher, these books that were taken out of the Bible. And for me, anything that was taken out, you know, particularly by colonizers, reason. I want to go back and There's read what they took out. Yes. And when I go back, I find prophecies like one from Joel. And Joel wasn't taken out, but going back gave me greater insight on the books that were left. Yeah. In Joel chapter two, he says, in the end time, I will pour, this is what the father says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, which is a very key conversation, particularly for our community that has so much taken from us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to understand what the future looks like mm -hmm. when we're looking for restitution for what happened in the past, right? What, what's coming in the future is a restitution for what happened because mm. karmic energy cannot be changed. It's a will. It just it has to it has to come back, right? Yeah, it, there's a there's an energy that was built up because of actions, and actions produce a repayment that's due. And in my life, I've paid. For, I'm not, you know, I I see a continual cycle and a connection between my behavior, and my words, and what I experience. Yep, me too. Right. So when when there's energy that's happened to us as a global family, right? Like that's karmic energy that's built up. So 
I don't need you really running around talking about, you know, fighting and trying to get it back and take it back. I need you to work on yourself. Receive it. Right? Because it's already, it's, it's nothing it's that it. can be done. The, the, the future is the New Jerusalem. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the New Jerusalem is a city of peace. So if peace is the future, then it has to be what I'm expecting and living in today. Boy! That dude's a prophet. Boy, that was hard. I mean, you know that's yeah, that's that, that's what I'm working on every day. In my that's life, true. In my life, I'm working on, and because that's what I'm speaking, the thing I'm fighting every day is staying peaceful. Boy, you know what I'm saying? Hey, because that's too. what I'm speaking. You know what I'm saying? I, it's it's me war too. everywhere in my world. And I don't know about anybody else. It's just maybe it's my little brother, it's my cousin, my little brother. I'm with you on he, that. You know, he had a little thing he was going through, and I called my brother to try to catch him. He's about to fight somebody on the other side of the city. I'm like, oh, I gotta get to him. I call my homeboy man. I call my little my little brother, my other brother, but he's in his world and he's not in this world. He doesn't see what's happening. And I didn't fully articulate it because I'm frustrated and moving fast, but not realizing it's just an attack on my peace. Yeah. Because mm. that's what you're speaking, bro. You're speaking that you had the faith to talk about peace in a world where we are in, right? I mean, I'm talking about we're pressing World War Three right now. Oh, wait, yo. It's one button That's away. what I'm talking about. <laughs> one button away. Just push the button. We just talked about this. There was, I think it was 38 Lies. minutes. What if you had 38 minutes? We're no, saying no, it last year. I want year. you to talk about that. So no, we no, get, no. We're going to get, we're gonna get to that. We're going to get to that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to come for back to this. Listen, um, so I want to I want to learn, because yes. I want the people, just for the people, just for the people. I want. We want to learn... How did you, you grow up? Focus. How did you grow up? As far as like, like were That's you dope. religious? Yeah, were you? Yeah. So, so I grew up. Um, my father was a preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, he PK. died in 1998. My mom um, is a Navi, a seer, a prophet as well. Scary kind of prophet too, man. Like, I was in North Carolina um, in 2003. I graduated high school in 03. Um, um, About the date? Remember? The- yeah, well, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm in. Uh, North Carolina, I told Joey this, and I, I had a date with a young lady. Uh, she had dreadlocks. I forgot her name. Um, uh, I didn't forget her name. I mean, not like, I don't want to. I just don't want to say Got it. We're cool. Bro. We're cool. We are. Anyway, my mom, my mom um, it's so funny. She called me, and this is before FaceTime, video phones, before yeah. Facebook, Instagram. She, there's no way for her to see what's happening in North Carolina. Like, it's old phones, flip phones. You know, like, I'm a little older, you know. So um, she called me. She's like, hey, man, you know, uh, tell the girl with the dreads to go home. And I'm, I'm laying in the bed. I said, what you doing? I'm laying in the bed watching TV. You know, she's like, tell the girl in the dreads to go home. And I'm like, mama, you tripping. Like, mama, chill. <laughs> mama I'm chill. laughing, though, you know, because I'm like, this lady is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, bro, I'm thinking like, yo. This lady's gotta be in the CIA, bro. She got cameras in here, bro. I'm literally tripping in my head. I'm thinking, I'm looking at the girl with the dreads. I'm like, Man, how did she see that? <laughs> so I'm tripping. I'm acting like it's not nobody here. I'm like, Mama, yeah. you're 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 tripping, Mom. She said, Do I have to say her name, or will you just tell the girl next to you that's lying next to you with the dreadlocks, tell her to go home? I said, My mama said, Go home. <laughs> <laughs> My mama said, go home. <laughs> I don't know what you into, young lady, but she see you, baby, all the way from Detroit, Michigan. Take your ass home, girl. Excuse my language. We go home. You know, so fast forward, I grew up in a house with that kind of lady. Right? I feel it. Who 
was on me, bro, and on all of us. So especially when my father passed away, you know, she was left with five kids of her own, mm -hmm. two other, another child that she chose, my cousin who she chose to raise as our, as her own. Um, and so today there's seven of us, and this lady, um, is one of the most patient, loving, giving, wise. Just, I mean, a real example of what it means to be a queen. And the scripture says that for that virtuous woman, her children will one day rise and call her blessed. Like when you can finally grow up and look back at your mom after you dated so many women. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I'm, my dad died when she was, when he was 38, she was 34. Mm -hmm. I'm 34 this year. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when I think about the le level of responsibility that she had on her and the way that we all came out and the kind of men that we became, what? Go ahead, mama. I'm talking about I got the coldest. Go ahead, mama. On the planet. I'm talking about Bob, my brother. I'm talking about no daddy in the house, bro. I'm yeah. dad. I, mean, I had him for 13 years. My brother had him for 11 years, so I would be very disrespectful to the example and yeah, the presence sure. that he was for us. And, I mean, really, for a man that, that, like, the kind of man he was, you just needed to see that. You, you didn't even need to hear much from him. You just, need to, you just need to see that in the house, baby, and you go turn out to be pretty solid. Yeah. You know, he was that kind of energy. But she was just so solid. It made me respect him more for the kind of woman he chose. <laughs> right you know what I'm saying, like you a boss, nigga. Hey, that's <laughs> good. See, hey. Right? but that's yeah. that's what it made me think. Like, man, who? Hey, dad, he you picked can hear the coldest. Oh, he can. He listen. He listen to himself. Boss, baby, you, know? you a boss. You picked one of the coldest. So for me, it gave me a a, a mantle, if you will, yeah. of the kind of choices that he made. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially when you don't have a father and you don't know how to find a father. Yeah. You know, I had a great example. So. He was the kind of example that he, you know, he was an example for the whole neighborhood, for the whole side of the city, you know. Um, Two-day funeral. I bet. Crazy stuff. You feel that that passed to you, <clears throat> your mom had? Yeah, yeah. so, well, you know, I didn't know a lot about science and chemistry and biology and, you know, the seven liberal arts that the Egyptians study, as we're talking about Egypt, right? Like, mm. and, and we'll talk about Egypt. It was this diving into Egyptian culture um, and the connection with Hebrew culture to the Egyptian culture, which was the workforce of ancient Egypt, right? So this conversation is a great conversation. It's a very important conversation. The prophecy was in Deuteronomy 28 and 68, I will send you back to Egypt, but this time by ships. So it's not a coincidence that we're talking about Egypt. Not at all. Egypt not is at a all. very important conversation, particularly when you're talking about Babylon and modern day America. Yeah. Very it's true. a very important conversation. So it's not random that prophet, as the anointing hits you, the conversation that comes Shifts to you, to bro, Egypt. because that's that's the, it's the road home. Let, let him go. It bro. is the road home. Exactly. <laughs> let him go. Free him. No, straight Stop up, now. straight <laughs> up, bro. Mm -hmm. It's that. That's what time it is, bro. Not you it know. Is. So when you understand the time that we're in, then we can understand the gifts that the father chose and you start seeing the people that he chose he ain't choosing the churchy clean no bro. he chooses no. the ones from the i'm talking about and this, he tells us the story right yeah he says there's a, a a wedding and the wedding master wants to have a big wedding and he invited all of the uppity people he invited the people that should have been there and they mm -hmm. didn't want to come mm -hmm. and he comes to the party notices that the party's empty you know where are the people at they ain't come he said dang Go to the street corners and go into the bars and go anywhere, invite anybody who will come. And when they come, when the table's filled, we're just going to close the door, you know what I'm saying, for whoever come in, right? And the idea is that when spirit is speaking to you, everybody's not listening. When that invitation comes to draw deeper into this voice, in the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart, not 
the voice of some preacher or the voice of some person, right? The new covenant, Judah, <clears throat> Jeremiah 21, 31 to 31 says that um, the new covenant with Israel and with Jacob is this, that I will put my Torah on their hearts and minds and nobody would have to go to his neighbor saying, come know Yah, for they all will know me from the least to the greatest, mm. right? So imagine a community, this future, I'm talking about future, and that, that's all, I'm a futurist, bro. I want to talk about what's coming and I know what's coming and if I know what's coming, I can know how I need to handle today. If what's coming is a world where there is no teaching us, us anything religious because we all know them, then that's the end of religion in the future. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, we just we can see that already. We already right? see that. Trust there, me. There's no need for yeah. that because the new covenant, which is the future, yeah. is that there is no religion. I don't yeah. need you to teach me. I don't need no preacher. I don't need no spiritual daddy, bro. I just need a brother. Everyone's a girl. Right? within. Yeah, understand yeah. what I'm you saying? Right? Down, it's, yeah. Bro, it's the most fundamental conversation because what the world systems that we have here has come to do is separate you from that connectedness to the most high. You disembody yourself. Period. Well, it is. Like, oh, I'm, I'm one of the me. things is, is it, the most amazing thing that can happen to you for me was going through this change, the awakening. And when that happened, the first thing that happened was I felt more connected to earth, the planet, mm. to, to people. Come on, bro. And it was shocking because I was so separated from it. I kind of kept a a wall up because it kept me protected. You know, the weak wolf right. gets, eat, gets eaten because being too nice doesn't get you very far. No. But when that happens, it changes everything. So what happened is when you go to mental institutions and they're saying, well, he, he sounds schizophrenic. He's talking some mad shit here. <coughs> I didn't feel schizophrenic. I didn't feel like I needed to be on any kind of medication. I just felt like I wanted to help some people. Mm. But it shocked people because before that, I, didn't, was, kind of person, I was helping myself. Bro, you became a different, you were born again. So imagine this, Western medicine does not recognize it. And that's the most amazing thing that can happen. So yep. why is that? Why? Because for I mean, 2,000 years, they told you and kept you in a certain guideline and box. Oh, man. So I just read something and I wanted to share it with you share. guys. And I just want to speak on today, yeah, even on Rose Avenue here in Venice. There was a man that was screaming, going crazy. There was like probably seven cop cars outside, an ambulance, a fire truck, a bunch of stuff for one guy. And I go downstairs afterwards, and I'm like, uh, what happened? I, call, I talk to the security guard. I'm like, what happened? He goes, he forgot to take his meds. He's been off his meds for three days. So in Western medicine, here's what they do. They, they induce you with the medication, okay, to make you dependent upon it. And the time in which you feel like, you know what, I'm, 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 I, I want to get off of this. I want to be through with this. You get triggered. And you don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, because the people sit there and tell you, you know? you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. The first thing you do is you snap, you freak, because if you yeah. hear that five, ten times, and then the first thing they do is go, yep, there, there it is, it is. he's crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. he's, he's lost his temper, he's uncontrollable. And if you're from the street, and the, so that was the way I used to get things, is by right. making people trip. And, and medicine, particularly Western medicine, this medicine is the sorceries. Yes. Right? So what, literally, uh, in the Greek, the word for sorcery or... A sorcerer is pharmakia, mm. which is the foundation of the word pharmacy, mm -hmm. right? And pharmaceuticals. <coughs> this is sorcery. Yeah. This is like mixing potions. It's magicians. Literally, it's potions. Magicians, yeah. Right? So when you're talking about being poisoned, that's what's happening. So, of course, Western medicine has no actual <coughs> or spiritual experience. They have nothing. Because no. that experience is completely antithetical to their entire movement and motion. Yeah. Well, they it's energy-based, and they don't have a, a, a recipe. They, no, they don't know what to do with no, an energy-based no. symptom. They're trying to no. kill it every day. No, no. They're trying, to, they're trying to make you docile and unconnected. Keep you in the, they keep you in the, in the channel so that Period. they, yeah. And they've made money from this particular 
business model. Oh, they they profit. Doesn't it feel like the conscious thing is expanding, like it's pushing. It's because yeah. people are about like, it. People are coming alive. Right. It's almost the story in Ezekiel thirty-seven. The prophet is carried into a valley <coughs> of dry bones, mm -hmm. and the scripture says that the the spirit says, "Can these bones live?" He said, "Man, it was a valley. It was a great valley of bones. I don't know if these bones can live." He says, "Prophesy to the bones. Imagine having to prophesy not to people, okay. not even to dead people, but to bones." And and the bone starts coming together, and it says these bones came alive, right? And it became a great army. This is the conscious community. It's a it's a Bone. dead yeah. once dead yeah. community, yep. unconnected, right? Yep. To body, to spirit, to source, to the father, uh, to being completely unconnected to any of this stuff, bro. Like literally just living your life however you lived it. In your and now box. you're feeling stronger when you're connected to less of the stuff that you used to collect. You're not even connected to the money you used to make. Mm -mm. You're not connected to the success you used to have. You're not connected to the women you used to love and be around. Like people are being just detached from this physical world and stepping into the spirit. And it's the most beautiful thing <coughs> I've ever seen. So there's two realities happening right now and you, and you can be distracted by one or the other. You can be caught up in this, this community of, of war, community of, of separateness, a community of segregation and fighting, or you can find that community of peace, which is the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's manifesting right now, bro. And it's more people in the community than people that look like us. Although our role in the kingdom won't be the role that we share right now. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different understanding of who we will be in the future because mm -hmm. we are those people, mm. right? We are those people. We are anointed. We are the <coughs> ones. However, the promise to our, far, our forefather Abraham is that your seed will be a blessing to the whole earth, right? And the word is the law. That is the contract, right? Mm. His word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish what he sent for it to accomplish. So realistically, if we are supposed to be a blessing to the earth, I know it hurt, bro. We went through some shit, you know what I'm saying? But our responsibility as the kings of the earth, bro, is to love and spread this culture, which is happening right now. It's happening. Black culture is We're all doing over it right the now. globe. Yes. I mean, Loving. Here, they love it. Loving. Every culture in the world. I just came back from China. You know how I many kids dressed like this, man? Yeah. I'm talking about the shit that you just naturally do because it's you, how you stand. They practice that shit, bro. Let me, let me stand like, <laughs> oh, there, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Man. And that's, that's, that's an honor yeah. to, to, for the world to see the grace that the Father has put on us, but we've got to see it. And so that's the, the thing. It's that self-healing. Yeah, and yeah. that just comes from you um, detaching from the stuff you learned yeah. and actually allowing yourself to be a conscious mind, researching on your own, just going to get that information. And that's what I think you've done. I think, I think you know, I admire you for digging deep enough to uncover things that um, the average person of color doesn't want to do. <clears throat> because what, it, what, what happens is once you start to uncover things and you, the veil's lifted and you see what actually you are potentially, like, like, like you are, what you're capable of, what's inside of you, you can't ignore that anymore. Mm. And all the things that you've done up to that point are now futile. Mm. It doesn't even Ooh, matter. It's so it's like, it's like You it's see so that, you're real. like, oh, oh, I'm beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I'm gorgeous. Right. Oh, I'm rich. Who I am. Yeah. Already. It's, it's, it's I'm abundant. Because it's, you can take my ideas, yeah. but I have more ideas. You can yeah. steal a song, bro, Ooh. but I got Say more that again. songs. You can take my ideas, but I have more ideas. No, that's the key. It's fundamental understanding. I am the bank. I, the ideas are in me. And once you have that understanding... It's like knowing yourself. Now I can love you, <laughs> right? But until I know myself, that's what I told my I mom. I won't love myself, and I can't love you, bro. It's yeah. no way possible. There's no way I could possibly love you. No I can't way. love you, Joey. I called my mom. Me. I'm telling no you right way. now. I called her up, <clears throat> and it was just a different day. And I, I, I felt, and I was like, "Mom, she goes, I go, "Mom, I love you so much," <laughs> but it was a different love. Right. <laughs> I was, I was start crying. I was, "Mom, I mean, I love you." It's a different love. <laughs> and she was like, "What's wrong?" And I go, "I think I." 
love myself. Ooh. And it just happened. And then I was able to release her from Talk all, that. like, you know, the victim shit. All that shit, all that heaviness. That. That, ooh. And, I, and I left it and Talk I was like, that. oh, <laughs> I feel lighter. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. ever since then, because I blamed her the whole time. You left me here. You oh, did it. You, on, all bro. these things. And I was like, all the, playing the victim role. As soon as I let that go, I, I want to call my sister and go, I, I got a secret. Just, just I'm love free. yourself. Yo. I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. Imagine that. Like I, love I never love myself. I love myself. Oh, none of us did. Let's just We're say it right now. We're not trained to. I love myself. I love, I love myself. myself. Right. I, I've never. We weren't myself. trained to love ourselves. We're not. You know no. I don't, men, I don't think a lot of men are. Your, not at all. Not, not at all. And not people. Right. We're trained Judged. to compare yeah. ourselves to, to the what is man. promoted yeah. in mainstream media. And the person that you see the most represents the way that we all should look and the way that we all should be. And that is, that's the greatest deception. If you're greatest. shaping personal perspective and perception off of what you see on a box. Yeah. Man, that's the that's greatest. That's taught form to program of, you. Bro, that's the greatest. I'm about to say the greatest. It's taught form to program of Hypnosis, if I've ever seen it. Ever. If I'm only good based on The Rock, and if I look like The Rock. Yeah, I, I don't even have like, abs like that. That's so funny, bro. <laughs> 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 right? But the idea is true, man. For me, you know. What so I what's a role model too? So for, the, for awesome. a young man to go right now, like you have, a, I have yeah, like who three are boys. Role, you yeah. have, who's a role model? Who do you point to and go? Who do we the, the point crazy, to? The crazy part is the question uh, is is who who should be the role models? The who is a role model? Question. I think we, we see all role we, we, we we all are role yeah, models, right? Role, so yeah. when somebody sees you and they haven't done when you what you've done, they're not your age. They're automatically looking just because we learn through em, em, emulation and imitation. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my son, right, he's 15 <coughs> months old. Beautiful baby. Um, thank you, bro. Um, <laughs> his name is Vincent Berry the third. We call him Trey. Very special kid. But when I when I see Trey, the things that he does by nature. I know that nobody taught him that. I know that he saw that, right? He's just doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, some stuff he's just doing because it's in his spirit and it's me. Mm -hmm. But other things he's doing is because he saw it. So mm -hmm. once I noticed that he paid attention like that, now I started teaching him how to communicate with that. I'm like, oh, you're watching me? So no. So raising him conscious. Yeah. Straight from the From the beginning, I, I'm, I'm realizing he's already conscious. Right. They're the world conscious. is gonna turn them off. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, exactly. That's what happens. They're yeah. born conscious. They're born watching right. and born paying attention yeah. and born yeah. like the learning every single moment of his day. I'm talking about bro. Since he was four months old, I brought him to the studio and I played the music, and people were like, "Bro, he shouldn't be looking at that. He should kids are banging on stuff at this age. Mm -hmm. He's watching you, I'm like because he's conscious. You know, he was born with no epidurals and no medicine, mm -hmm. and his mom delivered him." Herself in the front seat of our car, put him up, boom. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Superwoman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Tell him again, you hit him with that one, right? So yeah. hit him with that. so so. <laughs> I'm literally, we, I go to Miami, and I um, I meet this lovely lady Stephanie, and we begin to just be connected. But I'm I'm living in L.A. and I'm I'm actually headed to India in my, um, Israel soon at the time, and but I'm you know I moved. I came to Miami really for two weeks. I didn't leave for two years. You know I met her. Uh, maybe like four months after being there, and she just kept me in Miami, bro. It was just an incredible experience. I love that. Um, uh, so I go to India. She lets me know that we're expecting, and uh, I had all my stuff in LA. And I don't think I didn't come back to LA for like two years. I moved. I just went to Miami. I'm like, you know, um, I mean, we were building our relationship, mm -hmm. but you know, I was still traveling around. I'm like, man, I got to go and like really dive in. You know, it's here now, baby. You know, can't run um, from it now. No, you can't run. You got to be run to it, run toward yeah, it. You yeah, know, you so 
um, that's what I did. I just jumped in and, and we just started building. And so um, when it was time to have Trey, we, we didn't want to have him in a hospital. We wanted to have him in a birthing center. And uh, we found a birthing center. We, <coughs> we paid. You know, we did you have a paid. doula? We had a doula. We had a midwife. We had the whole nine, bro. So we're on our way to this birthing. Well, she, you know, in the middle of the night, she started having contractions. I started noticing. I'm like, all right. It's one hour, two or three hours. She's still going. She's up. I'm like, okay, it's time. So I call the ladies like <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. I said, my lady, you know, it's, it's time. She says, I, this is what she says. She's sleepy. I can hear her. She's like, you know, I, I've done this a lot. This is your first time. You know, you can expect, you know, 48, 70, 48 hours, maybe 72 hours worth of labor. This is the beginning. You know, it's just, I know it's, it's a little overwhelming, but just, I said, my lady, I've never been here before. <laughs> but I can tell you right now. You know, all that shit you talk about, you know, that ain't, you know, this baby on the way, my lady, you know. So she's like, you know, just just stay there. So another hour passed, another two hours passed, and I'm like, man, you know. And then she goes into the shower. I'm like, okay, I called a lady. I said, my lady, we're not. She's like, I'll be at the hospital. I'll be at the office at 9 o'clock. Bring her in. I'm like, it's 7 o'clock. We're not going to make it to 9 o'clock. She's not listening. You're not listening to me, lady. This baby is coming. You know, so I wait maybe 15 minutes, and I'm like, we're going to the hospital. You know, I'm not about to play with this lady. So I asked her to open up the, the birthday counter. No, she told me 9.30. I said, you're going to have to open this up at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But getting on the road, bro, ironically, the birthing center is here. The hospital is right across the street. I'm turning the street to go into, I was actually going to go to the hospital because they weren't answering my calls at the birthing center. As soon as I turned, she's like, he's coming. No, I said, I'm coming <clears> down the street. She's like, he's coming. I'm like, push him back up. You know? <laughs> we got that thing back in there. We got time. Yeah, we got a bids. You know, we had a bids in Miami and then in Atlanta. So I'm like, man, don't have that shit. I mean, don't have my son in my car. Girl, you better push that shit up. <laughs> she that's like, good. That's good leather right she there. She's like, he, he coming. You know, and we turned a corner, brother, and he was not coming, bro. He was here. Oh. I look, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Welcome to the Trey's world. in the house. Well, I <laughs> hey, Trey. You know you get nervous. You know you don't know what's going on, and it's funny because at this moment, you know, I think I had a very comical conversation with the father because you know I don't know what to do. I'm kind of nervous. The baby's coming. I'm like, oh shit, he's here. So I'm driving. I'm like, all right, what do I do? I had the air on. I turned the air off. You know, because I don't want nothing blowing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, turn the air off. And then he's like, well, I mean. He's human. <laughs> like, you almost think a baby needs to be born in an incubator like, and protect it from the world and then slowly, gradually into right. the air. Like, it's a human. He's supposed to breathe, bro. Yeah. As soon as he came out, he looked. He wasn't crying. He was like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that is the coolest way to come into the world, bro. <laughs> came out like, ah. Bro, he just, I'm like, I, in my mind, crazy is, I knew I was connected to him from that moment because in my mind, I just needed a sound to make sure he was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my head, I'm like, I just need any sound. Just give me and a sound. Bro. He's like, ah. I'm like, oh, you're fly, kid. You're yeah, not. you heard me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it was beautiful, man. And then they came in and, you know, we didn't get our money back from the birthing center, you know. Um, we still need that money, birthing you know, center. You know what, man? You know, it was a seed, man. I was so happy that he was alive. They helped us clean up. They helped yeah. us, you know, you know, make sure that she was together, cut the umbilical cord. So all the stuff that we needed to do, we still were able to do at the birthing center, except for the actual birth experience. And I think I was more happy about that. You know, they were thinking about doing a water birth, you know, I I'm like, we're not amphibious people. Why are we being born in the water? Then we're underwater. We got asthma and all kind of breathing problems and shit, you know? So I'm like, I didn't want him born in the water. So the father heard me, you know what I'm saying? And just, 
and gave me gave me what I what I what I really needed and wanted. Man, right. I don't have a kid, uh, but I I love the oh, children's story. I, I know world, it has. Bro. Trust me. I mean, just looking at them, and I mean, it, you know, they're watching. You know, so for me, I've watching him. I see the impact. That's why I said for a man like my father, I just needed to see it. Yeah, you need because me to, yeah. I learned so much just from how he carried himself, how he managed his relationships, how he talked to people. You know what I'm saying? Like how he respected people, the way he moved through the world. Mm -hmm. You know, like that kind of stuff is stuff you don't always learn. It's stuff you catch. <sighs> you know, I love that. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, I really want us to get to the juice. Um, yeah. Now I researched you. I know your story, um, as far as how you uh, got to the place where you are now musically. Yes, sir. Um, but what originally brought you to music? Like, what was your first dad, instrument? Man. You know, so like what you. You know, so my mom sang, <coughs> my dad sang, my dad would sing like right before he preached, and my mom would like sing for him sometimes while he's preaching. Um, so always watching them sing, you know, all my cousins in Detroit, like the Barry name in Detroit is like a well-known musician family. So most of my cousins play the organ, play the piano. Most of them, like, way better than me, you know? <laughs> Seriously, the kids. Yeah, 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 Like, one of my cousins was the minister of music at his church at, like, eight years old. Get on the organ and just mm. a monster, you know? So it's, for me, music was just a part of our family. And to be honest, I was more lazy than the rest of them because I was playing football, too. So I wanted to make sure that I held on to the Barry name. It's like being a, you know, a Winans or yeah, a Shear yeah, yeah. or something For like sure. you want to hold on to your family legacy. And, you know, when they ask about music, you want to know something if you're a Barry, you know what I'm saying? But in my mind, I wanted to do other stuff too. You know, my dad was a, an amazing business mind. Um, so he was like one of the first people within the, the black church to bring the computer systems to managing the databases of the churches. So he converted them from file cabinets to actually taking their membership and putting it on databases mm. in the churches. And he kind of helped a lot. Of, he didn't go to college either. He just was a brilliant person. So that was really my introduction to computers. I watched him at, in the 80s have a computer company, a black man in Detroit with no education. You know, I was in a computer company. You know, like, and then mortgage financing and creative financing and just doing crazy shit, bro. So, I mean, I remember at <coughs> 10 and 9, we're at the, the football game talking about um, I mean, the Pistons game, arguing with my dad, me and my little brother, about who's going to own the Pistons first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm 10, my brother's 9, my dad is, you know, 37, 34, 35, and we're arguing, like, all three of us. And my dad, I'm going to own it before both of you jokers. Like, oh, man, you, you know, we definitely going to own it before you, bro. You, you got about 10 more years, you know. And we're joking. We didn't even know that he didn't have that much time. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're kids arguing with our pops about who's going to own it first. So that conversation just set us on a course that my brother went to Harvard, Howard Law School, bro. He's, you. he's at um, Bain Consulting right now um, on the PE side, just one of the top consultants regarding private equity and leverage buyouts in the country. A young man, like, you know, like, and it's because of the kind of example my father gave us. So for me, my son and my children, the children that I'm expecting to have in the future, like, they are my examples and my opportunities to do what my dad did for me. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Real. Thank you, bro. That is beautiful. I mean, I, just to change it, I mean, you know, <clears throat> slavery really did a number on parenting in the black community, you know, particularly fathers. I mean, they would take black men and separate them move from the them well. around from different plantations. Yep. Have, a, have a baby by a girl and move you to another plantation. Yep. So this, this kind of baby daddy syndrome, mm -hmm. this is something that was conditioned to be 
in our psyche, right? Seriously. I mean, I would, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday wow. about how, like, you know, someone was like, man, how, um, why do you jump so high? Someone asked me this on a DM. And I got kind of spooky with my answer. And I was like, because my ancestors were slaves. Yeah. I was like, girl, I'm, I'm, I'm born and bred to, to pick cotton. I'm supposed to be out in the fields. I have a lineage of people that were breeded, that were bred to do certain tasks. And so when you see the reflections of it now and the expression of it, we wonder why. We're like, why, how, everybody, so, it's, it's, it's clear. It's almost like. Well, that, that for me, that, for me, the physical um, attributes that we see in our community is the crown it of is. our community. It like, is. That's the, that's the reason, like, that's the, the greatest sign that you're yeah. anointed. Yeah. The greatest sign that you're anointed in this experience is your physical ability to yeah. maneuver through this experience, right? Like, imagine Physically. running. Running is literally science. Yeah. You're moving through the universe at a particular, against gravity. Like you're defying gravity at a certain speed mm -hmm. and you can do it faster than somebody else mm -hmm. because you were anointed, mm -hmm. like you are chosen, right? But that doesn't make you better, that makes you chosen. Yeah. And that's the conversation, right? Yeah. Because there's so many areas that we need to learn from the neighbors on yeah. this planet. Like we can learn from a lot of neighbors. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to necessarily embrace all of their culture, but you can learn from a lot of what these people are doing in the world. Number one, you know, a lot of the world were affected by colonizers, the Europeans specifically, but we lost our language. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you go to China, they still speak in Mandarin. Yeah. Well. And, and Hong Kong <coughs> was a British colony for mm -hmm. about 100 years. They called it the 100 years of shame in China, right? But they still got their language. Yeah. You know, so it was a major thing put on our people. You know, if you take your language, I've taken the very core. I've taken your everything. Soul. That's your that's your word. And everything. And now what you know is based on my letters. And my letters are based on your letters, but you don't know that. You know, so you hear Alpha, you don't know Aleph, you hear Beta, you don't know Bait, you hear Gamma or Gimel, you don't know or Gamma, you don't know it's Gimel or Delta is Dalet. Like you don't know that these letters came from the Hebrew letter. So you don't even have your letters. So you're not even coming, you're not even able to fight. What we know is just a fraction of what it, there is to be known. Mm -hmm. A very small fraction. English was created in the 1600s. You know, so it's, we don't know nothing. Yeah, basically. And we get prideful <coughs> and arrogant from what we learn. It's yep. the deepest shit ever. Like, you know some stuff, bro, that's cool. But it's in, it's, it's in English. It's a new language, bro. So really you don't know. You really don't. I mean, you don't know. Yeah. Like you, you know what you know. Yeah. And that is a very, like again, a very small fraction of what there is to be known. <laughs> very small fraction. So for me, I keep the same perspective that Socrates had. You yeah. Know? Question. I know nothing. Yeah. Let me ask you this: When was it that you knew that you would be able to to take care of a family, raise a family with music? So I music? was. You know what? My whole life, I knew that I would be successful at, at whatever I did because that was how I was bread in my mind from my father you know he was so successful um you know he had an s500 in the 80s bro i was driving i was born in you know not in the bench but my truck my son was born in the bench for real but right. i was <laughs> born with the bench in our family you know I, my dad was lit bro so for me in my mind by the time he asked me what i wanted to be i'm like i want to be an astronomer because you figured out the earth i want to understand them stars yeah literally mom you got the earth pops. You figured this shit out clearly. We lit. I want to understand how these stars are working. 
You know what I'm saying? And the Dogon tribes in Africa, mm. that's a sign of the priesthood. But he, we don't know that. You don't know that that's the heavens calling me to pay attention. You know what I'm saying? You're not even paying attention unless you're being called. Mm. You know what I'm saying? How many people want to be astronomers? How many people looking at the stars, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, as a kid, like, what the hell is going on up there? Yeah, what is happening? What is that? Yeah. So to how know many it. kids, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying, like, who understand that this is an organization? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I was on as a kid. So he wasn't ready for that, you know, because most people assimilate and associate astronomy with astrology, yep. right? And they don't know the difference. They don't know the science behind um, the stars and the alignment of the stars and how that affects our body because gravity is associated with every force. mass yeah. in the universe. So when a great mass is passing the earth, that mass is having an effect on the earth and all the things made from the ground of the, you are the earth, yeah. right? It's having an effect on you when the moon pull up and it's pulling the waves for the water. <laughs> the moon pull you're, up. you're 80% water. So it's pulling on you too. You wondering why you got all this why am I emotional and all this shit today? going on, bro. It's waves crashing, bro. It's just, it's, 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 it's being affected by the things around you. And if we don't realize that we're in a universe that has an effect on us, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like we'll you're never not, have an effect woo, on the universe. Woo! Like no, it's affecting it. you, bro. The it sun, is touching you. It's it's touching you, bro. It's touching you. That's right. That, that's the thing. It's we all look, touching you. We're touching just, each other. Exactly. The, so this is this is what I'm saying, bro. So whenever you're not mindful of the connectedness of all things, then you are not fully mindful of the mind of the Creator. Mm. Because is everyone listening to this, all things, because God is in everything, as we know. You understand what I'm saying? He's in the surfboard. and everything. So and Donnie's and everything. Bro, and we've taken the thing. The surfboard is just the wood. Exactly. From the tree that was exactly. once alive. Like exactly. We, we're supposed to eat vegetables. And technically, if you just pull a vegetable off the tree, that mug is alive. So we're supposed to be eating things that's alive. Mm-hmm. By we, nature, we're eating dead meat. And yeah. we're feeling and wondering why parts of our bodies are dying off. Yeah. And, right. we're, and, we're, and we're receiving dead information. You know? Right. Being intentionally miseducated. Yeah. And once misled. I realized... <clears throat> that we were being miseducated. So you asked about how did I know I would be able to provide for my family. I saw music providing for people at a very, very young age in my city. Like I'm from Detroit, so Motown Mm. um, has a very strong legacy of showing how music can provide for people. I saw musicians who play for some of the biggest artists in the world who are big brothers of mine, and they made thousands and thousands and thousands. In fact, I played the organ at my churches and. I mean, since I was like 15, 16, I was able to make, you know, $800, $1,500, $2,000 a week playing the instrument. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's making more money than a lot of people. A lot of people. You know what I'm saying? To be able to provide and help my mom. I'm a kid, but I'm yeah. playing the organ at the church and I'm bringing 500 home this week and 500 next week and 600. <coughs> I'm able to get groceries and pay bills. And so I always, since my father died, I, in my mind, became the head of the household. So my job was to provide for these people because he did. And so it cost me my childhood for real. You know, when I'm 13, you know, in my mind, I'm the man of this household. So, you know, I'm trying to be people's daddies. Did you ever deal with the adversity with having to, like, get into the street thing at all when you're growing I mean, up? Or were you able to stay away from that? Um, you know, in our neighborhoods, man, like, all the lives are all connected. You know, so for me... Um, my great grandfather was a one of the biggest preachers in Detroit in the, in the 50s and 60s. Elevators in his churches in the 50s. This is my mom's granddad. Um, however, you know his sons were very instrumental in introducing heroin and cocaine and crack to Detroit, um, and I think they were used intentionally. It was a the mob came, found him, 
the Gaties kit gave my uncles trucks, you know, Lincoln cars, uh, not trucks, but cars, Lincoln eights or Lincoln. Kind of the town cars? Yeah. But they were like uh, convertibles at the time. Yeah. And they feeling like they live, they running around. And so you got the great, the biggest preacher in the city, but his kids are used to introduce this particular kind of drugs weapons. to this weapons to our community, bro. And it was very detrimental. So for me, I saw the effects of drugs on both sides. I saw my uncles who was selling heroin and had my great uncle selling heroin, who had his nephews, my uncles, beating the heroin out of the 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 the. Um, what are they called? The uh, containers and pan them with heroin as his fee because he's a heroin addict. Right. So you got your uncles hiring your nephews and empowering them to be this particular thing. Same thing yeah. I got cousins upon cousins <coughs> upon cousins. Some of my best friends and my big brothers, you know, because I don't see cousins. My cousin is my mama's mother. My, it's my mama's sister's son, which if you, your mama, my mama's sister, then you my brother. brother yeah, bro. exactly. You know what I'm saying? If your mama, my mama's sister, then you're my sister. I don't know nothing about no cousins. These are English words that mean I'm nothing. To separate. Sorceries. And to, to separate. Right? To separate <coughs> us. You are my brother. You're my sister. Literally. Right? And I got brothers and sisters in jail for all kind of drugs and murder and all kind of shit. So although my life was, it was no way to, to, to um, stay away from it because it's everywhere. That's, but, how, that's what I was trying to ask. Like, but how were you I've never, um, my mom and dad, right. um, the church. I'm about know, to say, I'm My sure dad church, was so instrumental in our community. Well, not even really, because like I said, again, my, my granddad was the biggest preacher in the city, and his sons introduced coke yeah, and heroin true. to the city. Like, it ain't, church didn't separate you from the streets. Some of the biggest gangsters in the world is preachers. That's true. You know Still to this day. For real. Like, these yeah. ain't from, right the, now. from the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... Just because they preaching and nice, that don't mean they ain't from the same shit we all from. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So for me, I was able to see the realness of people, regardless of their station in life, whether you were a teacher or preacher or a musician. I saw that there could be people who were willing to cross that line to protect themselves and their family mm -hmm. everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And it taught yeah. me how to respect people everywhere, bro. You know? So for me, I had uh, big cousins who were, you know, in the streets who told me if you sell dope, I'm effing you up. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing so you don't have to do this. You know? So I did have people in my life to say, bro, you don't have to do this because we're making those choices. And if your daddy was here, he would lose his mind. You know what I'm saying? Because of the kind of example he left, people protected us. Yeah, yeah. Because you were anointed. Yeah, period. <clears throat> and when you are anointed, the Father will protect you. Oh, you trust know what I'm me. Saying? And he protected me from having to cross certain things and do certain things. Um, the things that I did do, I did on my own. You know what I'm saying? The things that I did, I did to be accepted. Cool. Like to be, like, to be the in the circles, to let people know I ain't just no church boy. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that fed mm. into, that's ego though. That's you trying yeah. to define yourself. Through the lens Why of others. The, the things that's happening in the world. That happens you know wanting saying? nice shoes. I mean, I like, yeah, right. I if I saw to, nice shoes, I knew how to get them. Yeah. I, and, Period. Yeah, and I didn't want holes in my shoes. Period. You know what I'm saying? And I relate to Vincent because for me, it was like, it wasn't church boy, it was private school boy. Right. So it was like, you know, the proper kid. Right. You know, so I was like a PK. Right. 100%. I was the proper kid right. in the class. Everywhere I went, I was the proper kid, talks nice, and always wears khakis and seersucker suits. I, I was that guy. Right. And so, for me, when I got to college, I went to Howard. So 
I just wanted to fit in. Right. I didn't even really understand what the culture really meant. Right. I was so removed from it early on. I was on. I knew more about country club culture than anything else. So I immersed myself deep into Howard, and of course, I reflected the societal pressures that are on me. Of course, I got tatted up. I started selling drugs. Like I did the exact thing. All the things you think that I'm supposed to yeah, do. To right. be the man. I'm conditioned to be this guy. And and, and yep. once you and once you start really <clears throat> thinking about this the social economic landscape that way, that's what we we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 realities that we face as brothers on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And whenever um a Messiah or Mashiach kind of energy was born in the Hebrew experience, whether it was Moses or Yahusha himself, who the world understands to be Jesus, when these brothers were born. Uh, it says that the leaders of those countries, whether it was Pharaoh or Herod in, in Yahusha's day, mm-hmm. they heard that something great was being born in this generation. And the first thing they did was an attack on the boys in that community, kill all the boys, right? Like in an attempt to try to stop whoever's coming to save, let's just get rid of all of them. And that's the same kind of environment that we see right now in our community, yeah, which gives us insight Right. To, if we just look at a historical narrative and know that history just constantly repeats itself, there's something happening. There's something in this Shift. generation has already shifted, bro. We're sitting here with, you know, two black men and our brother, who's a, a, a European brother, and we're able to love them and love each other and have Puerto a Rican. conversation. Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rican. Yeah, he's an Italian. Don't and get it ta- twisted. No, Puerto Rican. Hey, forget about it. Eh? No. Forget about it, eh? So I'm on my way to, I'm on my way to Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my point is we're able to sit here to have this conversation and it not be based on historical narratives and conversations, which there's tons of history to tons talk about. Tons of shit about. That we can talk about, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And to get distracted on yeah, yeah. those conversations, in my opinion, are a distraction. Yes. I I thousand percent agree with like that. We could sit arguing about what happened that. and none of us was here, bro. I, well, I was I, right? I, mean, I was one of them. Like, right? Listen, Realistically, I mean like, relax. like although we are our parents and we are our ancestors, right? We have an opportunity right now to change the narrative. Bro, to create a new world right yeah. now to take the future and bring it right now. So my my father, although he was a preacher, he never gave me answers. You know what I'm saying? This is how I'm I'm developed in this environment because although he was a preacher in the Baptist church and then eventually we joined the Pentecostal church and I kind of grew up as a musician in that experience and even as a preacher and a speaker myself from that particular experience because of how my father was you know I was able to always stay open Mm -hmm. and that's the first step to enlightenment and Mm -hmm. revelation in my perspective is to stay open right to stay willing to listen and willing to hear to not just be boxed into these 66 books that they gave you without no historical understanding of how these 66 how books they come came together. together. Yeah, There's like, no information. It's just now. like, these are, this is the Bible. And read it. And yeah. that's your Bible. You know what I'm saying? Learn it's it. like, don't question the Bible. Yeah. Well, if I can't, the, the Torah itself says that the, every word is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So even the Torah from Yah himself, right? Exodus 24 and 12 says that the most high wrote it himself and gave it to Moses so that he could teach it to Israel. So he wrote himself that even me, I need witnesses, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody need witnesses to approve and to verify and validate what you're talking about. And if you don't have witnesses, then we can't believe it, right? So for me, these became the foundations of my knowledge search, witnesses, 
You know what I'm saying? If I find a book, if I find a thought that I like, like Dr. Emoto, I need to find witnesses that agree with this philosophy. If there are no witnesses, then this is your own shit that you made up, and, and I'm straight on that. And let's you move on to Dr. Emoto, because I think, uh, I I mean, I find his picture to be amazing. <laughs> he died in 2014. Um, Dr. Emoto, I think, was responsible for producing the... He basically, his the, theory can influence the shape of water. Yeah, by so the power of prayer, of by intention, yeah. yeah. Which goes to kind of, if we spread that message further, it tells us that we can influence everything. Well, 70% um, water. Yeah, we can influence anything and everything with our intentions. So, so he... The, with w- prayer. The way, they, the way that, you know, <clears throat> for me, I've realized that the language is, is everything. He calls himself a... They call, he called himself a pseudoscientist, yeah. right? And that he believed that human consciousness affected the molecular structure of water, which is very deep when as a human being your machine your body your vehicle is 80 percent water right it's it's a very powerful concept because what it lets me know is is that the human consciousness and if this theory is true bears a major influence over your person Mm. right which is what we say and believe every day that the mind controls the body but it's just a different way of saying that my man like your mind affects your person, so you can heal yourself. Yeah, right? anything. You can do whatever you <clears throat> want to do if you learn how to speak to yourself. And that's the, so when I met Joey, I came into knowledge of of, of, of Dr. Masaru um, maybe like, maybe a month before I met Joey, maybe two months before I met him. A friend of mine sent me a video and I'm like, man, if that's the case, then, you know, maybe we could, deal with speaking to water. So I'm, I'm like, well, let me just start speaking. Let me just see. It gives me a, a, a reinforcing the power of speech. When I meet Joey, he says, we want to do a concert to sing to the water. Hmm. I didn't, I'm not thinking, I'm, mind you, uh, Dr. Emoto is not talking about singing to the water. He's <laughs> speaking <laughs> to the water. To but water. <laughs> when he said it, I thought about that. Yeah. I'm like, well, shit, if I speak to the water, then singing to the water, f- singing to the water be for a whole nother sure. <laughs> is affecting the water. And at that point, I think the father just gave me just this crazy epiphany in my soul where I actually saw music and how it affects people. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's actually happening to the biology of their systems when they hear this music. Some music makes you fear. Some music makes yeah. you ting up. Yeah. Some music makes you relax. Some music makes you go to sleep. Like some music makes you feel po- empowered. Some music makes you feel weaker and more emotional. Like, you know, I start realizing the power that we actually have to create this music, you know what I'm saying? And, that and what happens when we do that? And I'm like, you know what? Maybe if we have sing to the water, then the people drink the water. Boom. That's you know what I'm saying? And that's really one of the ways that that was the main way that we connected. When he said that, I'm like, oh my God! First of all, you've got to be a crazy faith walker or believer <laughs> to even say. We're gonna set up a concert. We're gonna turn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you gotta let me finish. We're gonna set up a concert. We're gonna turn the speakers to the water, and you're gonna sing to the Nile River. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> like we end up, my brother. We going end, home. We going, bro. We going home. No, nah, we stay. Because that's the, the only way to go home again was to cross the Jordan, was to exactly. cross over the Red Sea. We had to go through the water, bro. You know what I'm saying? So when he said go back to Egypt, I'm, like, I'm about to write a song called "Through the Nile Again." Mm. Well, if you think how many people the Nile feeds, 450 million people. So yeah. that, that water, that 
that embodiment of water oh, right bro. there is very important to people. Through the river again. And, and, I, and you brought up, you always make this point for me as far as like Joey always reminds me that we're antennas. Period. So if you believe you're an antenna, then you believe you're capable of picking up anything. Period. And everything. And you do pick and, up anything and, we, and everything. Exactly. And that's what your mind is, you know, bro. Exactly. So, uh, Dr. Lipton is a guy I would love for you to look into as well. Okay. I've been recently looking at him. He's got something like called 13 Seconds That'll Change Your Mind. Yeah. But I'll send you the video. Send it to me. What he was talking about today is the power of the mind and the subconscious. And it's such a powerful conversation because it really helps me understand how I was able to change my narrative from mm -hmm. being from the east side of Detroit and all the things that I was surrounded by, where there was murder and gangs and violence and prostitution, like all of that stuff was around. However, through that environment, I was able to still climb out of that environment and I was only able to do that because of my mind. And Dr. Lipton says that the subconscious mind is more powerful than the conscious mind. The conscious mind is here. Was forty? Um, what, what did it say? The process is forty, 40 bits? bits of information, and then the subconscious forty second, million. Forty mi million bits of information. Yeah. <clears throat> but the difference is the creative mind is here in the conscious mind, right? So those of us who are creative, you're doing that consciously. You're doing that as a person creating, as a as a as an image of the great creator himself. Like you are actually deciding intentionally to create. Mm -hmm. But what your subconscious does. Is habitual. These are the things that you just do by nature, and you can't. You gotta reprogram that mm -hmm. because that's the one that overrides everything. When you're not thinking, and when you're shocked, when you are, when a car comes up and you're scared for a minute, whatever you say at that moment, that's that subconscious mind. That shit that just kicks in, and most of us we're kicking into modes of learned behavior that's ruined relationships. That's Probably the and reason why our parents went through some of the shit they went through because that's where we got most of it from. So the way to do to change that, he said, was in theta while you're sleeping to listen to the kind of things you want to be programmed into your subconscious. And these are the things that's actually naturally will start coming out of you. Uh, I thought it was profound. Oh, that is profound. I start working on that, you know, for myself, changing what I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. While I'm driving, while I'm in my phone, while I'm in my meetings, just what's playing in the background, what am I, my mind is picking up on, and it's having an effect on me. And I think that's, you know, because what I see is peace from the future living in today. And I think you got to program that because we don't come from that. Oh, shit. And that's because, I mean, I, I think of music and, and when it comes to moods that I want to be put in, and it's like, I know when I listen to hip hop, I'm in a certain mood. Right. Period. I just, I'm put in a certain mood. Um, it's not it's not even a negative mood or a positive. It's just a certain energy that I feel right. rushing through me. And sometimes it's a good thing. I need it. I'm like, all right, man, cool. And then it's, for me, I, I, I love that that is a reference point for all of us as human beings, is that music, the vibration of it affects you. Right. Energetically, it just does. It really does. You hear a Kundalini. Spirit, spirit speaks through music it's, all the time. Does, you know, so the, the conversation that we're it's having awesome. is very important because people need to recognize what they're feeding their minds. Hey, 100%. So they when, have to recognize that. When you think about, um, um, and when you're absolutely correct, I just wanted to add to that. You think about Egypt, right? And this is one of the reasons why I went to the school I went to. Mm -hmm. um, it's founded as a liberal arts private institution. And liberal arts is a concept that was uh, purportedly taken from the Greeks, but it's very important to understand that everything that is Greek, particularly a philosophy and education, is Egyptian in mm -hmm. origin. Trust me. Socrates was trained in Ptolemy, Egypt, educated. <laughs> Plato was educated in Ptolemy, Egypt. Mm -hmm. Aristotle was educated in Ptolemy, Egypt. In fact, when you go to Egypt, 
Ptolemy Egypt is no longer a city. It has been renamed as Alexandria Egypt mm -hmm. after Alexander the, the Great, Great yeah. who was a student of Aristotle and convinced of Aristotle to destroy Ptolemy and name it after himself. That's where the world first university was, right? And it became the world's first research facility to research what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> right? This, is, know, the, this yeah. is the play, bro. And yeah. they took all the books. Take all the women, take all the money, take all the gold. Aristotle, bring me the books. Yeah. Because he knew. You know what I'm saying? And he becomes the father of philosophy, right? The most plagiarized <clears throat> a number of books you ever want to imagine. These books are books. You, you need to have enough time to write all those books, bro. There was no computers, no typewriters. <laughs> You're writing with the ink. My man, you did not write all them books. Thousands bro. of books. Right? But my point is Egypt, right? So yeah, you think about, about education. Yeah. They had what they called the trivium and the quadrivium. It was built on um, what they call the education system. The trivium in, in, in Latin means three roads that meet. Fundamental, like a triangle, yeah. literally. Three roads that meet. And these three roads that meet represent the beginning of education to the Egyptians or to the Greeks. And that was uh, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. It's called the trivium. And if a person mastered grammar, which is the building blocks of a language, logic is how you put those building blocks together, and rhetoric is why you put it together, the, the, the thought behind the statement, right? So grammar is the letters, logic is the words, rhetoric is the why you wrote the pyramid, I mean, what, what you meant by the paragraph you put together with these words. That is called the trivium, and it is essentially understood to be the master of word, the mastery of word. And after a person mastered the word, they were believed to go to the number. And to master word and number is really all they believed you needed in order to become autodidactic, a person that was able to teach yourself anything in the world. That if you knew how to decipher numbers and if you knew how to decipher letters, you'd be just fine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so, it's so profound it because that very <clears throat> fundamental thing is all you really need, really, mm -hmm. and you're gone off to the races. And then when you finish with the trivium, you move over to the quadrivium, which is the number. This is where it gets very powerful because this is the order of sciences for them. It's the number, the study of the number itself, which in Hebrew is the letter. The letter is numbers, which is profound. There is no numbers. The letters is the A is the one, right? So if you read a Torah filled with these letters, and if you are a Hebrew-trained mind, then it's just not a book full of words. It's a book full of equations, too. So if you just read it, you only did half the problem. You got to do the math now. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem. If it don't make sense, we ain't doing the math, bro. We don't yeah, even know no. there's math associated. There's a deciphering. That's where the word decipher comes from. The word cipher or sefer in Hebrew is a book, a scroll. To be deciphered is to understand the book or the scroll, right? It's the Greek still in those words again. Always. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, you know, when I saw that, um, the quadrivium, the number, then you move to um, the, the second level of the quadrivium. So quadrivium means four roads that meet, right? So you have the number, then you have geometry, which is number in space. And then you have music, which is number in time. And then you have astronomy, which I want to be an astronomer. That's what I said as a kid. I don't even know. I don't even know the Egyptians associate music and astronomy, but astronomy to the Egyptians was um, a number in time and space. Altogether. So geometry <clears throat> is time and, and, and numbers in space. Music is number in time, but astronomy is number in time and space. So the idea of how music shapes space is the universe. 
That is astronomy. Right? It's all music. Every particular sound in the universe has a vibration, which vibration. is a tone. <clears throat> it's a sound, bro. It's all a great symphony playing at the same time. So music is one of the greatest scientists on the planet. Musicians are scientists. Oh, no, you guys are. You guys break down, like... And we don't know spirit, it. Some basically. of them don't know it, but we are. That's, that's a science. No, you for know, sure. It's the and, what, and, and then the things that you that you write about and sing about, and then you're projecting to people that it changes and that's alters makes you the a way we. Yes, you go from a science to being either prophet, Bob Marley, John or, Lennon, come on, or a, or a sorcerer, a person that's using your energy right. to create a different energy. And, and that's people. why you wrote Sandcastle. Well, I produced Sandcastle. We'll so produce Sandcastle. You know, what, what I was think the that's for that? well because um, I think. In my mind, I, I write great songs by myself, man. Mm -hmm. You know, so what I love more than anything is collaborations. Mm -hmm. You know, although I write great songs alone, my favorite songs that I've ever been a part of have always been collaborations. And um, this was a collaboration between me and a guy named Malik Youssef, who is a producer who became famous working a lot with Kanye West. Um, I was working with him, and he mentioned... Um, uh, we, I've been coming there for like he were, he was signed, he signed to Universal, and I was coming to Universal in Santa Monica a lot at this particular time, just building with him. You know, <clears> Kanye is my favorite producer, so you know I just saw it as the universe bringing me all of these different relationships within like one or two degrees away from me. So I'm like, let me just build with this brother. So I'm building with him. I'm building with him, and about three or four weeks after me coming, like almost every day, he's like, um, I got this song that I started for Tiana Taylor. Well, they're all signing good music together. And he's like, I got a song that I, start, I started for Tiana Taylor that you might be. I think you're the guy to help me finish. And he had a beat on and he started singing and he's like, you know, we build sandcastles that wash away. You know, I made you cry when I walked away. And although I promised I would stay, every promise don't work out that way. And I said, bro, that is not for Tiana Taylor. And I love Tiana Taylor. Like, one of my favorite artists in the world right now, you know, but... When I heard it, you know, it's almost like that prophetic thing where you looked at him and said you were going to be interviewing Ricky Williams in six months. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was, I mean, it could have been Maurice Claret. Yeah. It could have been. Be Maurice. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's tons of people that as, as football lovers and yeah. former athletes that sitting down, it could be Barry Sanders yeah. or Emmitt Smith. Like, yeah. It could have been anybody, but it was, for that. that particular time, it was. Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, two days ago. It was Ricky Williams, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was my Joey moment where I'm looking at him and boom, I saw it in my head, it's Beyonce. I literally say it in that moment. Bro, this is not Tiana Taylor's song, bro. This is Beyonce. Mm. Why I said it, I don't know. I felt it, you know? Like, I, I just knew it. And um, the, the music that he had on, I'm like, that's not the beat. Just come to the piano. And um, I was with a girl for a long time and that relationship didn't work out and it, and it felt like a sandcastle to me. And that was the first time somebody had, because I've been trying to write songs about that experience for years, but nothing really ever came out like the way I needed it to. And when I heard those lyrics, I'm like, bro, we found her, baby. This is the one. This is the last time I'm writing about this lady. I'm putting it up. We're going to put it all in this shit right here. You know? And so the way I sang it is, um, I think that's, you know, she, that's, that's what they actually spoke to when her and her manager called me. It was like, your voice is really moving her, you know. Um, and it was because I was singing it from a place. I was singing it like it's my last song. Yeah. You never get no more emotion from. After this, my lady, I don't even care what you do. The day she gets married, somebody called me. And what do you, th you know, how do you feel about it? I wrote a song called Happy Flowing Like Water. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, speaking like I'm a uh, Asian kid just learning English. <laughs> <laughs> Happy flowing like water. Happy flowing like water, baby. I'm, I'm good. You feel I'm me? Straight. Right, but it, I had to get that song out. So, uh, you know, we started a company called Write My Song, right? And our job I was gonna was mention, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. to to do a hundred city tour teaching kids how to write songs. Mm-hmm. And you know, my vision was, you know. I want to teach people how to take these emotions and things that we feel and energies that we feel and convert that into assets that we can monetize, <laughs> right? Because realistically in a world um, that we live in and we're governed by capitalism, um, Adam Smith promised us that the invisible hand would always be leading, wealth of right? It's the wealth of nations. And that invisible hand to, for me has always been greed, mm-hmm. right? And that is the foundation of this society that we live in everything is greed so number one you can't get property if you don't have cash or credit you don't have credit if you don't have cash to pay bills right so it's a it's an ecosystem that all that works together if you miss a bill it's going to affect your credit in Mm -hmm. such a way that it's going to prevent you from being able to get a loan which is more money you'll need to pay the debt Mm -hmm. there's debt on top of the money you loan so you're always in a never-ending cycle to leverage You know, the little money you make with the little bit of credit you have, and you'll never be able to build a um, a wealth base for yourself. And it was intended that way. Sure. It was intended to prevent us from being able, including the Puerto Rican community, it was intended to keep us, this 12 nations scattered around the world, right? This is how I'm seeing it. 12 tribes who lost their understanding of whoever they really are for who they were called, right? Haitians and Jamaicans and Puerto Ricans and Cubans and Africans and Americans and la 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 and the Aikens, all the Aikens, all the cans. Cans, 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 cans. (laughs) (laughs) All the cans, right? And the eases, right? (laughs) Guyanese and Portuguese and all the eases and the cans, right? All these names they gave us, bro, you know, they separated us from the truth of who we are. Mm -hmm. And as long as you identify by those terms, you know, it's over. So I want to teach them how to write songs, right? Why? Because it's the only way to get an asset without cash or credit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You don't need That's cash or credit. All you need is the time. Well, <laughs> so, <your> lazy self down. <laughs> Sit on down and write, write a song, this song right? bro. And write now you teach your kids how to do it, Joey. And by the time they're 15 years old, bro, they got 500 songs, and that's like building them a 500 house catalog oh, portfolio, me. bro. Now they got a thousand songs, bro. They got a thousand homes. I mean, if and when they start getting good, now he's building big homes. So you know what's interesting about this is, I I, I went on tour with Mike Posner, who was also Yo. from Detroit, from Southfield. Yes. Went on Shout tour out with Mike. him. I love Mike. Love Mike. He's actually walking across America once again. He's doing some some craziness, but follow his journey. Um. And he told me that on, on, on the tour bus. He's like, yo, you know the greatest hell, uh, wealth hack? Write a song. <laughs> he wrote Justin Bieber's Boyfriend. And it's he, a wealth hack. I like he, that, he Mike. He blew up. That's he was exactly like, you know, that's is. how you hack yeah. wealth. It's that's like, literally what we're doing. We're, yeah, we're, we're hacking wealth. wealth hacking. Yeah. Thank you. That's and my like, new, that's that's the, my new, that's the new vertical. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. That's <laughs> the new is. vertical. Wealth but, hacking. But let me ask you this. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go when, ahead. You, when you got that call, where were you at in your life? Because that's like a game changer. Life, was it? Oh, life changer for sure. Um, when I got the call for Beyonce. Did you cry? No, no, no. I didn't cry because I was still homeless. Um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to leverage it, you know right. what I'm saying, without offending her or without doing something. Um, because, you know, a lot of these, you know, she was so kind to me, um, the way that she even uh, represented us working together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she like, look, you know, I, 
I used your demo piano. I used the piano you sent, you know, so, you know, she really essentially made me the producer um, and co-producer with her, but literally called me. To, I mean, I literally just sang what you did and, and wrote my part, you know, so she obviously participates in the copyright and the ownership of the publishing as a creator because she was a, definitely a, a real Im, important part of the song. I never had yeah. harmonies on any part in the song. I, I never even do the harmonies just because I knew sometimes artists want to do their own harmonies. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just sang it straight down. Um, so I, what was I doing when I got that call? It was, so the young, so I, let me tell you the story. So fast forward, we're working at Universal. Um, our session is from like 12 to 7. But when we were recording this song, you know, when Malik had those words, I told him literally, write those words down, bro, and go home. You're lit. Don't worry. I'll do the rest. <clears throat> You're lit, though. We got to smash. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm writing the second verse. Um, you know, I'm playing it. I'm singing it. And I'm, like, going back and forth singing it. When I finally get done, a girl who was booked for the 7 o'clock, we kind of went over a little bit into her time. And but she heard the song. Like, Man, this is incredible. You should come to this other session with me in a couple weeks. I want to introduce you to some writers. And she started introducing me to these writers, and she introduced me to a young lady named Madian, Madian Mathers. And Madian is an incredible, incredible songwriter. And when she heard the song, she started crying. And she was like, yo, I need to sing this in the showcase. And I'm like, my lady, you know, I don't give my songs out in the showcase. I can help you find a song, though. You know, like, you know, Unbreak My Heart with Tony Braxton. Um, you know, I Will Always Love You with New Houston. There are smashes all over the world. You don't need this one. She's like, no, no, fuck them songs. <laughs> I want to sing this one. And I'm like, man. Um, and I think, you know, Spirit spoke to me and was like, why not, bro? You're, I mean, you're sitting in your computer. Yeah. I mean, this might be how I'm trying to bless you, my man. And I was like, my lady, you know, I don't know. I don't ever say yes. I don't even know why I'm saying yes. But don't tell nobody you wrote my song. And don't give it to nobody. But she called me a couple weeks later like, man, you're going to kill me, but you're going to love me. You said don't give it to nobody, but I gave your song to a friend of mine. I had to give it to her. She came to a meeting at the, at the company. Um, uh, she was signing BMG at the time, and she met her. Um, and, and she was like, you know, I played your song for her, and she just started crying. And I gave it to her, and uh, she's Teresa LaBera White. At the time, I didn't know the name, you know, so, you know, I'm still stuck on the part that I gave your song to somebody. You know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, damn. You know, I told you nothing. You know? <laughs> and she's like, you know, yeah, but she, she manages. And, I'm, and it's so important just to shut up, you know, because you say the wrong thing. You just ruin the whole play. You know, I'm thinking this stuff. But I'm just listening to her just to yeah. hear what she Because it had to be something in my head. And she's like, yeah, she managed Beyonce. And I'm like, man. Did you catch that? I said, you can give. I said, listen, you give Beyonce my song. We good. Anytime. <laughs> You were all the song, you know? and uh, in a couple days, uh, actually maybe that day, she called Teresa and I on the three way, and she was just kind of talking to me, telling me what B was saying and what I, you know, they appreciated the music and that it moved her deeply. And you know, I think the my initial thoughts because of the emotions that I put in that song, um, my mis my initial thoughts were, dang, I said this. So I called Malik. I'm like, bro, you'll never believe this shit, bro. We got it on Beyonce. He like, bro, shut up. I'm like, bro, no, I'm serious. It's the deepest shit ever. I said that to you, and it's hers. This is like, and it really the fastest song I ever placed. It happened in like a couple months. <laughs> Wrote it in a couple months. Biggest artist <coughs> in the world. So, um, 
after she got it, they needed us to be quiet about it because she wanted to do a private release. And uh, I had to shut up. Did you uh, know she was going to perform it at the... Uh so because you know, so that's a publishing publishing place. So when you uh, if you sign a publishing deal to a company, the company knows, and you sometimes don't know. So some of my you know, um, I knew because I own my publishing, so they had to actually call and get permission. Um, but you know, I mean, I was already hyped when it came out on HBO, and I saw Jay Z in my video. I'm like, yo, we are lit! Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite artist in the world. Yeah. You know, where my sisters Me and family too. they love Beyonce. I love B too. You know, but I'm I'm in the Jay Z group. You know, I I love Jay. You know, so you know when I saw Jay in the video, I'm like, oh, we are active. You know, and I think that was just the father just being funny. You know, just kind of like, right. there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, but when she performed it at the Grammys, bro, that was it. That's what did it. You know, to be honest, that that was I mean, as far as awareness and introducing Who your you work. Are, yeah. You know, because realistically, you are irrevocably connected to your work. Yeah. Like, and, and some of us don't like that, especially when we got shitty work, you know, but if you're connected to your work, this is why it's so hard for our parents and they're trying to teach us how to work hard and put your soul into this work because when somebody meets you through your work, they automatically make assumptions about your person. And because and I, I always wanted and because we write so many different kinds of songs, bro, it could have been a popcorn song that I wrote with some <coughs> kid trying to be funny. Right, it could have been smile, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Smile, bitch. Come on, smile, bitch. Why, why that's a get smash? Up, up. Come why on, that's smile. a smash. That's not the song I want to be introduced to the world with. Hey. It's not about money for me. It's about a legacy. Like these songs make money Impact. for 120 years. So, what song do I want to be introduced to as a writer? The kind of music and quality music I couldn't have picked a better song to introduce me to the world. And I got all kind of other songs, but that song gave me the quality that I actually wanted to be respected for. I remember uh, Quincy Jones threw us a party for the Lemonade um, um, Grammy party when we got nominated for Album of the Year. And I just couldn't believe I got an invitation from Quincy Jones. I'm like, yo, this is Quincy Jones. And I get there, my mentor is Clarence Avon, who uh, ironically is having his uh, <coughs> his um, documentary coming out on Netflix and, um, and like a couple of days in June, bro. You gotta see it, bro. They call him the, the godfather of music. Um, but it's powerful, bro. Like for real. And um, Obama's in it. Yeah. Bill Clinton. I mean, all the executives from, you know, Quincy to Clive Davis to yeah. everybody. Like you know, everybody got to come and say something about him. You know, Jermaine Dupri. The list goes on and on and on. Um, but he's been my mentor for like ten years and like a grandfather to me. You know, so. Um, but he's there. Clarence is there. I mean, uh, uh, Quincy's there and all these people. Well, it's time that we're, we're networking and all this stuff. And then he wants to watch the, the, the Lemonade movie. They have us watching Lemonade movie in the uh, theater, mm -hmm. this place that we're at. And while they're playing the Lemonade movie, everybody's in there. I mean, Smokey Robinson. I see Will I Am. I mean, it's just the ones of all the people <laughs> the I've, been trying, the one I've been trying to meet my whole life. They're here. Um, and they watched the whole Lemonade. But it's probably one of my favorite <coughs> moments in my career. This mm. is the moment that made me decide the kind of person I want to be moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we here, bro. Now what do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? What do you want to be remembered for? Because you can just keep doing this shit, getting placements and, you know, getting Grammys and shit. Like, I, I could just focus on doing that 24-7, and it's going to produce more of that because that's the kind of work that I'm putting out in the world. Um but when they got the sandcastles, bro, the whole room gave us a standing ovation. Mm. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and this is this ain't like a regular room. Yes. This is the room. You know what I'm saying? Smokey Robinson, Lionel Richie, the ones, executives, the ones. big brand, CAA. We're like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. You arrived. That's, that was the part. It wasn't I'm the money. It was I mean, actually, we sold more. We streamed less than everybody else on the album. It was the least streamed song on yeah. the day. You know, she never performed it live in any concert except for the Grammys. Yeah. See, the whole concert. So imagine the promo, promo you get from all the other songs. And my mind, I'm like, she's got something to say. Something's going to happen. Something big is going to happen. I don't know what's, what it is. You know, because I really, really, as a songwriter, you just want to hear the world singing your songs. So I never really was trying to like clock how much money I was making or nothing. I was trying to see how many people was hearing the music. You know I'm I want to hear if they singing this shit. Do they know the words? I want to hear. So while she's singing at the Staples Center, when she gets to the end, every promise don't work out that way. I heard the whole crowd sing that shit. I said, ooh. <laughs> 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 I said, damn. <laughs> you know, so for me, like, you know. That's it. Right that was there. awesome. I saw Rihanna in the pictures, like looking around, like who did this shit. I saw yeah. Adele, like people looking around, like damn, like you know, like enjoying the feeling that the music was was leaving behind. And for me, man, I know that our DNA is built into all the music that we do. Yeah, like every word that I write, my DNA is encoded in that thing, mm -hmm. kind of like my fingerprint. If my hand is on it, it's on it. And the fact that my energy was able to our energy that created that song was able to go to the world, you know, it gave me confidence to just keep going, you know, and just kind of pivot, make some pivots early in my career just to be known as something other than just this writer. But it was, it was very important for me to do that, to give me the confidence to know I can do that whenever I want to. Oh, trust me. It's, 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 I mean, I think that's, that's very important when as a creative, you need that project or that one thing that kind of people can look at, and they can already know who you are. Yeah, like, oh, confidence, yeah. man. Like, this, I, oh, I get I, this guy. I do this. Yeah, like, this is me. Like, yeah. I mean, anything, whether yeah. it's Beyonce or whether it's, anything, your, yeah. you know, going to Harvard and going, yeah. getting to working at Bain or what my brother's doing, like, that Bain, that Harvard, that Bain, that Howard, all those things are wins. Yeah. Morehouse was a win for Howard me. was a win for me. You know like, even, like yeah. Confidence builder, like, you need <clears> that win. Oprah paid for my first year at Morehouse. Like, that was a win was a for win. me. Black Beyonce gave me my first big song. Black women have been changing Wait, my life from yeah. the beginning. Well, from day one. You came in. You, you, you came out on one. The whole so. time. You know what I'm saying? Literally. Like, <laughs> yo, pushing me to that next level every yeah. single time, man. So, you know, I've had a beautiful experience. Um, and now I wanted to share that experience with other people. So, write my song. We just initiated a 100-city tour. We recently got that funded. And we're going to 100 cities. Um, teaching people how to write songs, how to own those songs, and then we're writing a song with them. I'm so going. It's it's some really cool stuff happening, bro. I've already, I mean, some of the kids that I've already taught have placements on Chris Brown, yeah. uh, placements on Usher, placements on uh, Lil Wayne and uh, Anne Marie. I mean, just different placements. And these are kids that I work with and build with. You know what I'm saying? Like, And That's they have dope. careers on placements on albums that I'm not on yet. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. Like. I'm happy to see that. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to spread that energy through the world, teaching people how to write songs, how to build wealth their life hack. for themselves. Hacking wealth, man. It's, it's, a, it's a, a 1% for a reason. You know, yeah. it's, and I went to China, and I heard some of the uh, wealthiest people in China, you know, as we were talking about the people, they were talking about, like, some of these people in the city, like, they were children of peasants. And I just thought about that word, peasant. 
And I've seen tons of poor people in my life, bro. You know what I'm saying? At one time, I was homeless, like homeless, homeless, like outside for three years. And I'm sleeping with, whether it's friends on couches, garages, like really with nowhere to go every night, figured it out. Unless friends let me in, I was outside. Um, but even the people that I met on the streets that were in worse conditions than me, even drugged up, bro, I never saw them as a peasant. I saw them as a person in a really messed up situation. Yeah. But in my mind, I never thought to describe this group of people as peasants, right? And that that kind of terminology is, is kind of disturbing to me. So for me, moving forward, I want to educate these people who are considered peasants and teach them how to health whack. Oh, wealth well, hack. And that, <clears throat> I mean, first and foremost, uh, we are coming up on our time. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you so much, Vincent, for being, uh, being here with us and, and and, and sharing your story, um, sharing all the nuggets of wisdom that you've gained through your story. Um, once again, thanking Joy for just creating the platform that is allowing us to get these stories out there. Um, but one last question. Um, what's your idea of success? Or what's your idea of making it? Because I asked Ricky Williams, and he was like, to him, making it is not what I thought making it was for him. Yeah, so What's yeah. your idea of making That's it? That's awesome, man. Um, for me, success is manifestation. Mm. You know? If you can envision something that does not exist and live to see it come alive, you are successful. <laughs> yeah, one more thing. <laughs> if you would tell us the story that you told me about when you, uh, how you met Akon, because Akon's headlining yeah, the uh, yeah, One yeah, Love Festival yeah, very, very important. I forgot Akon about is that. headlining the One Love Festival. I'm grateful for that. You know, um, it's because of you. It's because you brought Akon I appreciate it. that, yeah. man. You know, uh, for me, I like I was sharing earlier, I think it's important to give people the kind of urgency that you are seeking from <coughs> the universe. So if somebody needs a connection that you have, you know, it doesn't hurt you to create that connection and and an anticipation to speed up and accelerate what you have going. And I believe in reciprocity. I believe there's nothing you can do to stop the things that you got coming except do people better. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I only did that because I believe in what you're doing. I knew that you wouldn't make me look crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew that it was a legitimate opportunity. Um, and I'm so grateful that we were able to make it happen. All I right, met Akon. No, no, you're, you're my big brother, bro. So anything I can do, you already know thank that. You. So for me, um, Akon was a, a manifestation. I'm glad. That was a great transition, bro. Akon, for me, was a manifestation. It was another success. It was another thing that gave me confidence because this is somebody I actually looked up to for a long time. Um, during my homeless journey, for the first year and a half, I rehearsed what I didn't have most of the time. Every day, like, fuck, I'm homeless. Blah, 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 blah. After a while, I stopped thinking about what I didn't have, and I started thinking about what I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And when I put my mind on what I wanted to have, in my mind, I just want to see it all the time so that I'm reinforcing this thing and not constantly remembering whatever it is and the shit that I've experienced that's keeping me in this condition. Because I realized that the mind was actually fully in control of my experience. Once I realized that, it was over. This is the driver's seat of your experience, bro. Right? So let me create a new narrative. I went on Google, bro. You won't believe this shit. I went on Google. I typed in, so I, every Sunday I used to drive to Malibu, whether it was with a friend or by myself. I would go to Malibu and I would look at houses. Right. Ironically, you're in Malibu. <laughs> and the times I drove through your neighborhood, bro. Right. I'm buying that one for my grandma. I'm buying that one for my auntie. <laughs> that one for my cousin. And that one for my girl. And that. So I'm picking houses the whole time. And so I'm like, I go online, I say, 
five-bedroom, five-bath, celebrity entertainer house. Then I got Malibu, Woodland Hills, Topeka Canyon, Encino, because I lived in a lot of different places because of all the friends that i know. So I just named all the cities that I saw had big houses and dope houses. And I put all white everything. Like this, this is like my search engine. This is what I put. <laughs> and what came up is a bunch of houses. But I, one of the pictures grabbed me. And I clicked, I clicked the picture. Um, I w- I'll find it and get it to you guys. And it was a picture of this living room and the steps going up the steps and all white everything. It's my kind of shit, man. So I'm like, oh, this is the crib. Take the picture. I put it on my laptop as my screensaver. So whenever I'm opening my computer, that's what I see. This is for two years. This is for two years before I meet Omar. This is like my screensaver. And I'm like that screensaver that's like, I'm like the blue one. It's, some st- just, it's there. It's been there. It's going to be there. And I never thought to change it. Well, one day after I meet Omar, when he meet us, he realized that we're living at the studio. And once he realized we're living at the studio, he's like, bro, I'm not leaving here. These kids living here. I'm going to stay and see how long they're going to stay here. He started cooking rice and peas. And so I don't, I know he's Akon's brother, but I don't know where he lives because he's living with us for like three weeks. Like he's buying us food, buying us weed. Like we're, we're hanging out, like building a bridge with him. He's loving it. He's bringing people. One day he comes in, we all wake up and this is like the first time, most times when I open my laptop, I never shut Logic or Pro Tools or Ableton. So this is the first time I shut it and had to reload it. And I'm booting it up and he see his brother house and he's like, my man, what is my brother house doing on your computer? <laughs> and I'm like, my brother, that is my house. <laughs> now brother, first of all, I'm not thinking this is Akon brother at this yeah, time. Yeah, you didn't even know. Cause he's got, he's been around us so long. I'm thinking he's one of the brothers in the, in the room just talking shit. I'm like, bro, this is my house with my computer, bro. Get off of my computer. Stop worrying about what's on my computer. That's how I'm kind of talking to him. Yeah. He's like, meatball, that <laughs> is where my stuff is right now. Like, I've been here for three weeks just because I've been impressed with you niggas. But my stuff is at this house on your computer. Up them steps, that first door to the right, that's where my stuff is at. That The steps that's on my computer. He's like, I got to walk up them steps every day, bro. I'm like, damn. I said, bro, I literally found this house online, and this is the house. This is my house. He said, no shit. Call Akon live right there, and that's how I met him. Like, hey, bro, this kid got your house on his computer. So, you know, that's a crazy thing to call somebody with. Mm-hmm. So he like, let me talk to him. <coughs> what, what, what you mean he got my house on his computer? Like, bro, you got my house on your computer? I said, no, sir. <laughs> I have my house. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we got the same taste, big guy. You know what I'm saying? And you living in my house right now. You know said, But that's my house, bro. And he like, no shit. He said, bro, it is your house. Get a phone to Omar. He moved me in with him for like eight months. Is that great? His family living in Atlanta. Crazy. Like he let me and Omar. So we're living in this crib and I'm Crazy. but but I'm 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 doing two things, bro. I'm going outside to I'm to smoke in the back and I'm going to the studio. I'm not roaming around the crib. I'm not touching shit. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not around. I'm not having parties or ladies over. Like I'm eight, nine Focus. months. I'm work outside studio. Yeah, outside. But studio. he's watching, you know what I'm saying? Because it's the future. People can see that shit on their phones. They can see. Like you don't know it. They can see. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, bro, you're one of the most respectful people I've had in my house. You know, you're my brother forever. We don't need no contract. Whatever you need, I got you. Uh, and it's been like that for eight, nine years. Just solid. Like, come ride with me one day, bro. You're one of the most respectful people I've ever had in my house, bro. And because of that reason, he's 
playing at the One Love Festival. Yeah, he's one of my he invited me one to of that, my yeah. big brothers, bro. Like literally, and I, I never asked none of my big brothers for nothing. So when they say that, I'm like, my man, that's the first time I asked him for anything. You know what I'm saying? In my entire relationship, and he's been holding me down, just just solid. You know? Yeah, he's solid for sure. Solid. Omar Salad too. I only met him once. Omar's great. Oh, that's great, my brother. Great, great man. That's yeah, my brother too. So he's love in Omar. Miami. He, yeah, I love Omar too. So, you know, I'm just happy that we're able to bring those worlds together. You know, that's that's really <coughs> what I'm about, bro. Like, again, manifestation. Like you had a vision in your head, and it's alive. You know, like I want to be a part of that. Me too. You know, that's I'm that's here. success to me. You know, what I'm saying like and doing it over and over again, like never stopping manifestation. Because if 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 success for you is a certain number then you're going to reach that number. And then when you reach that number, what? Like, even if it's a trillion dollars, right? I was just in a room that was calculated to have $55 trillion in the room. Even if you can dream, and I dreamed that big. That's why I was in that room. I manifested that. But in that room, it was like $55 trillion worth of business around the world. 5,000 global leaders. Like Robert Smith, who just gave $40 million to Morehouse. To Morehouse, yeah, paid all the debt. I yeah. met him two weeks before that at this conference, bro. $55 trillion. In it. Even if it's that kind of crazy number, you're going to get into that kind of room like I did. And so what, though? Like, what is it after that? So if it's not constantly manifesting those high aspirations, then that's not what I believe is success. I believe successful people continue to be successful. You know, it's, a, it's maintaining success. That's the hardest part. It's not doing one thing that's dope. It's being dope for years. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Being dope for 50 years to be the leader of a... I, this is success. I'm talking about Clarence Avon last night with a mentor of mine. His name is Herb Trowick. He's managed uh, uh, Brian McKnight. He managed uh, uh, Tyrese. Uh, managed Dave Pensado, created Pensado's Place, which is the one of the most successful YouTube channels, not because they have the most people. They have 220,000 people, but they have the most targeted demographic on all of YouTube because everybody on those 220,000 are musicians, engineers, producers, mm -hmm. because it's an engineer TV show. Nobody's tuning in to an engineer show except music people, mm -hmm. right? And he's got some of the most biggest, the biggest brands in the world for his company. And I'm telling her about my mentor, Mama Lady, Stephanie, I'm telling her about my mentor, Clarence, and how I, how I met him. I went to his office and sat in his office for three hours listening to him talk to presidents and kings and uh, L.A. Reid and this person and that person, executives, a lot of, all the people you've been trying to meet. He's in there talking to the big dogs, but like he the dog, like he the big dog. And when I <coughs> said that to him, my mentor told her, like, that's so crazy, bro. 25 years ago, I did the same thing. Like, I went to Clarence's office. I sat down for three hours, your age, and listened to him talk business for three hours to kings and presidents and governors. The exact shit you just said to her, bro. Didn't I say it? He said it last night. I did the same thing you did with him 25 years ago, and so did L.A. Reid, and so did Babyface, and so did Big John, and so did every other black executive in the black music business, bro. Like, everybody had to go see him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's power. That's how you, that's success. That's success. Ma maintenance, meaning how do you handle this and delegate it and carry it without being, you know, a certain way, yeah, right? Sure. So for me, that's success. Yeah. Um, and that comes with patience, time, you know, a lot of wins. Perseverance, A too. lot of wins, bro. Um, yeah. You know, so Beyonce was a huge win for my life and my family. It helped my people know that I was doing something significant. Um, but what we're doing in blockchain, um, what we're doing – um, and the professional, professional and uh, creative development of these writers who write my song, in my mind, 
you know, that's how I want to be introduced and remembered by the person who created an environment that was sustainable for our writers and community for our writing community. That's great. Music is not sustainable right now. So <sighs> my vision is to create a sustainable environment for, for writers. That, that's as part as dope as it gets. Cause that's what we, I mean, music industry clearly needs that. And I'll leave it on this. Um, cause you said this there's actually a retreat that happens every summer in August at Jazzy Jeff's house. Mm-hmm. I got to participate last year as a trainer called Playlist, and that's what they're creating. They're creating a, 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 an, an economy outside of the industry that is allowed to develop and curate artists in ways that the industry really doesn't want to do. Right. So it's happening in all sp- kind of small pockets and circles yeah. around, um, but I trust that you will continue to uplift Thank you, bro. Um, our community, the world, because you're anointed. Thank you, bro. And I, the same anointing that covers you is the same anointing that covers me. Period. And when I'm in the room with you, I feel that. Bless you, brother. So thank you, my brother. Once again, thank Bless you, Joey. Thank you, brother. Creating this gorgeous platform. It's flat, bro. It is flat. It's going up. I'm going telling you right up. now. We going when you, when you speak, people should listen because should when listen. you the things you're saying, if more people, more brothers were speaking, I'm just saying straight up, like it, that's infectious. Period. That's that's for real. That's what's well, that's. We, we're gonna do it together, bro. That's what, yeah. that's, that's, that's what we said at Nobu. Yeah, that's what we Remember you stood up and you said about uh, the Nile. You started talking about writing that song. Yeah. And, and I rem- I'll never forget that. Yeah. Ever. No, it's through the Nile again. You, yeah. you through the Nile again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was putting yeah. our hands in the air. Yeah, through yeah. the Nile again, baby. We going through the Nile again. And it's a beautiful thing because what I see again, and then we, we'll be done, but what I see in the future is a community of peace, yeah. a community of everybody <clears throat> loving and being protected, covered, and provided for. I don't see sickness. I don't see disease. I don't see poverty. I don't see stress. I don't see mental illness. I don't see sexual um, rape and all the other crazy shit that we're experiencing in our community. I see love, a community of love, everybody loving and building and holding on to each other. And if that's what I'm expecting, bro, then that's what we got to work for every day. It's hard, but we've got to, we've got to, if, if we don't hold on to the faith, bro, you know what I'm saying? Then we lose the world to the people that are currently running the world. And they ain't and got my no. Lord. You know what I'm saying? If, if that's the case, then <laughs> my, my we, 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 bro, we're in World War Three. I'm talking. We're at the brink of some shit. We, I mean, it's we're it's about cr- to go into that. One button. We one button away. Thirty eight minutes to make, make your oh, yeah, decision. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, man, how long was that in Hawaii? In Hawaii, they had thirty eight minutes. Thirty eight minutes. They thought something was landing. Something was about to hit. So, uh, you know, when I think about the last thirty eight minutes, I'm in LA, right? So. <laughs> What, what day was that? How long ago was that? It was like last year that the, it was they, last year. they thought uh, a missile was so flying in Hawaii for an hour or 38 if minutes. We're talking about a year from right now that my son had just been born. My God, what am I doing with the last 38 minutes? Man. First of all, rather not part, know? <laughs> yeah, I, I was, that's all I was about to say. I was so oblivious to this, bro. Like this time last year, all of last year, I was like rolling up. I'm in Miami, South Beach, <laughs> Aventura. Ah man, I I didn't I didn't know we had thirty eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was so oblivious to that. So thirty eight minutes, man. Shh. I don't know. I, I, I out of sight, out of mind. It would it would have been, but if I if we did know, you know, I think uh, I would spend my time. I don't know, man. Just obviously, everybody would spend your time praying, trying to get as close to the great one as you possibly could. Like right now. Um, I would try. I mean, I know that life is is 
based on a, a record mm -hmm. of everything that we've done. Mm -hmm. Even though we don't know that we're being watched, we're being mm. watched and it's being recorded. So Every thought. Every thought, right? So when I think about that kind of reality, if I have 38 minutes and I knew I had 38 minutes, I'll probably try to make amends with a lot of oh, shit that yeah. I did. You know, honestly, I'll probably Amen. call people and apologize. I'll probably try to find and do some shit to make some money to pay people back. I, I, I try to do it all in 30, 30, 38 minutes. It's probably be the coldest 38 minutes of my life. Because <laughs> I always show up with pressure, you know, so 38 <clears> minutes <throat> of like the end, I'm about to get on some shit. You know what I'm saying? So I think if that's how I feel, I think we should probably be on that yeah. right yeah. now. I don't know what I would do for 38 minutes. I don't know. My homie, like, a while ago, I told him, I asked my homie, I was it's like, what, what would you do if the yeah. world was ending? He's like, man, I try and go fuck everybody I see. And I was like, that's really, that's what you're going to do with the last What's 30 What's crazy is he didn't say every lady I see. So no, he, he said everybody. He, he's on some shit. He was like, I'm going to just go love everybody. I'm going to hug this person, hug that person. I said, okay, do your thing. But for me, 38 minutes left. 38 minutes 38 left. minutes, bro. What you doing? Shit. That's either a real long 38 or a real short. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think it's both. It's going to be long. <laughs> let it both, let it both hey, ends. Right? What? For real. Damn. Damn. 38 minutes. Well, anyway, listen, guys. Um, The Space Between podcast is lit. We were lit today with Vincent Barry II. Um, we were lit today with Joy Natolo and me, Jocelyn Cunningham, uh, Thank you guys for listening, and uh, Satnam, we out of here, baby. And thank you for dropping in with the space between Satnam. <laughs> <laughs>